podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone. So we're back after a tempestuous weekend in FPL, which led us to come away, well, licking our wounds with our Saturday and Sunday travails. Helped, maybe, by Man City so far with both owning Foden, but our captain is the big Norwegian robot and uh, it depends how he's going to do basically during this record for how this game week has gone. Yes, in general, Team WTA has... uh, continued our respective downward spirals meaning we're asking what can we possibly do to stop our season spinning out of control and what can we actually control today i'm joined by a sam who had an interesting weekend a bit like me the meme of you know the smiley face hanging over the angry one at fpl price he raged while sam had to put on a brave face you know out and about seeing friends acting like he's not upset because it's not going very well for him in a fantasy football game. Mm. <laughs> You're right, mate. Yeah, all good, thanks. So the only issue with that is the people I was hanging out with are in a mates league with me. So they know that I'm having a bad week. They know oh, that I do no, this. That's dreadful. So whenever, yeah, I don't know if you get this or if you're listening, you get this uh, out, out and about as well. But if they know you're into fantasy football and they know you're having a bad week, they'll just pester you even more about it. So got a bit of that, but it's absolutely fine. These weeks happen. It's It's been a few too many in a row now, but the WGTA curse is definitely real. Um, I didn't believe in it before, but um, yeah, sad, sadly, I've come to realise that I can't escape the curse. Um, in, in the meantime, though, uh, speaking of, we are who got the assist. On today's pod, as Tom mentioned, we'll have a discussion about control in FPL. How much do we actually really have, especially with the issues we're both facing at the minute? Uh, That leads us directly into the potential chip strategies, which could be deemed quite radical, uh, being considered by both of us, but especially one more than the other. Uh, We've actually got some points on the board in bold claims as well, which is interesting to see. And a slight change to the format this week um, as... We might go on with in the future as well. We'll test it out today, see how it does. Uh, the second part of the pod will be used to preview the week ahead. Uh, and within that, we'll pepper in some listener questions, as always, and discuss the hot topics that crop up week to week. Plus, obviously, consider transfers, captains, and all of that good stuff, but in probably a slightly more structured order. So we'll see how that goes. And Based on how it does go, we might be continuing it that way. Uh, so we're recording on Monday the 5th of Feb. We're at half time in the Brentford City game. So Foden has got the equaliser. So thankfully, we've got some points on the board um, in the WGTA Villa uh, tonight before we went on. Um, so yeah, half time in that. We're recording live as well. So obviously, if you hear any moans or groans or cheers, you know something's gone on in the City game and we'll uh, timestamp it as it happens as well. Cool. Right. Uh, reluctant scores on the doors, I think. Oh, God. You're first up. <laughs> I am first up. All right. So let's go for it. Um, it's a 53 at the moment. Um, didn't take didn't take the hit. Um, didn't do anything in particularly kind of weird and kind of wild. Um, but yes, it, it, it's basically all hinging on on Erling Haaland a little bit, really, for how this kind of goes. And it, it's safe to say that it was quite a uh, testing uh, Saturday uh, for sure. Uh, not owning Trippier mm-hmm. was was pretty painful. Um, not owning. You know, 
basically loads of players everyone seems to own Richarlison who we'll speak about later on really mm-hmm. really painful but I've got to take a moment Sam to salute how my transfer this week went so I took <laughs> out Shimikas for Burn because I double arsenal defence I was like you know what I don't want to play double arsenal defence against Liverpool I think it makes a lot of sense to bring in Burn because they've got Luton they've got you know three good games on the spin I can't really thought I, I, I couldn't get to Trippier without kind of messing up some kind of onward plans I had so I thought you know what I'm going to bring in them Burn he's got he's cheap you know he's he's got decent fixtures and he can kind of cover Trippier Burn proceeded to get minus one because he's four goals and got yellow card um so Shimikas is injured and I removed a non-playing player for a playing one and I still managed to find myself down on that. <laughs> Losing points from removing a player who's actually injured, which is absolutely ridiculous. And nothing encapsulates my season like how terribly that transfer went. Uh, elsewhere, you know, likes of Ollie Watkins and who we kind of, we, remember we both kind of had a moment, didn't we? In the last pub, we were like, oh, well, you know, Watkins would be on TV and uh, I don't know how we, we can't put ourselves through that. Probably should have put ourselves through that really. But I think kind of, I can feel kind of slightly happier about the fact that I didn't catch them by the fact that neither of us kind of seem to be feeling it, I suppose. It's kind no, of how, not that how much. I, yeah, I, that's kind of where I'll go with that one. And Palmer, who we were feeling, um, only managed to, the, the one, did get a bonus, um, but Chelsea succumbed, um, sadly. Um, well, no, happily. Why, why, why am I saying sadly? What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> to a 4-3 defeat against Wolverhampton. It's wondrous. So, yes, um, 53 is where it's at, and it's all contingent on Haaland, the colour of the arrow. But I suspect that we've got probably about 20 minutes um, in which we need Haaland to do something. Otherwise, it's probably likely to be a red. Uh, what about you? Yeah, well, very, very similar in that I've got the exact same amount of points as you at the moment. 53 is, again, another red arrow for me as it stands. Still hinging on Foden and Haaland. He didn't go off at half time. That's the one bit of good news I've got for you at the moment. But who knows how long he's going to last. Um, yeah, the defence and the goalkeepers was just an utter utter shower once again. One-pointers all across the board. Estupinan and not even starting the game was relatively surprising, but Deserby does have a bit of form for this sort of decision after a poor result. So maybe I shouldn't have been too shocked about that. Uh, Alexander-Arnold, again, very frustrating for him to come off early. Would have been good to see him at least complete the 60 minutes. I'm really hoping, and I'm putting a lot of faith in him starting and getting good minutes or at least plus 60 plus against Burnley at home. I think now I've got him, I can't really get rid of him, but it is a little bit worrying and quite frustrating that one of the players that I expect to be a big upside in my team is turning out to be quite a large issue across the midfield. All of them return. So that's good news. Obviously won't go into all of them again, because you, I think you've got all of them or at least mo- most of them up front Watkins 18 pointer. Like you say, I never really considered captaining him. I thought it was a decent enough fixture, but not, not captainable compared to the others. So I'm not, not going to get all hindsighty about it. Um, I didn't think it was a massive mistake not doing that. Obviously, the, the difference between me and you as well that is, is slightly frustrating in my corner is who's first on my bench, which is Garnacho. Two goals um, at home to West Ham. That was quite yeah. horrible to watch because I had it on in the Not background around really. <laughs> um, my mates as well. So that wasn't fun. Um, but I, I never really considered starting him over any of those other seven. So... Yeah. I, I mean, some might argue he would be a better player to start than Darwin, but I, I thought Darwin would either start the match or not play at all. So, I mean, I got that one wrong, clearly. But I thought Darwin, with his underlying data, even against Arsenal's defence, was a good enough start. 
and Garnacho until this week hadn't really done anything in quite a while. The data wasn't looking fantastic. He was playing quite wide. So I thought I was fairly mm-hmm. safe just having him first on the bench. That was not the case. Um, but it looks like it looks like he might be first on my bench again next week. So Ooh. that is the that is the burden we bear with a strong eight, sadly, mm-hmm. which I don't like doing too often, but but because because of the way it's shaping up at the moment, seems like an inevitability. Yeah, exactly. Although that injury to Anthony Gordon, um, yeah, there was a picture of him uh, leaving the ground in crutches, and for the life of me, I just didn't think it looked like him at all. I thought it looked like one of the long staffs. I know they're all um, <laughs> redheaded. I don't know what, what the PC term is for it these days, um, but it didn't look like him. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> maybe maybe it'd be a miraculous recovery. But either way, you know, both of us with the strong front eights, we'll find out later on in the pod. But it seems like as of the Darwin injuries for me this week, sorry, Sam, um, well, doubt. It may have solved a bit of a problem for us, or at least kind of slightly curtailed a bit of a headache. But all right, mm. let's see how we go on with Holland in the background and continue podding as we go. Um, so key theme this week, interesting one, um, is control and FPL. I guess it's inspired by Jorginho's role in Arsenal's defeat of Liverpool, as well as our sense of kind of helplessness, which probably has come through a lot in the pods that we've kind of done over the last kind of couple of weeks as Red Arrows have stalked us. Um, And we thought it might be an interesting discussion about decision making and fantasy football and how much control we've actually got as our fates uh, unfold over the course of a weekend or as it's been recently, you know, during a midweek or something like that. First question then, how much control do we have per season? How much you control proceedings is perhaps linked, I reckon, to how many decisions you have to make over the course of a season. So, Sam, on a basic level, without taking uh, you know, wild hits or something like that, if you're just playing the basic game, making a transfer every week, playing each chip, including wild card, quick mental maths, otherwise it will bore everybody to death. How many decisions do you make? Do you think we have to make per season in total? So, um, well, you, you've got all of your all of your single free transfers. So you get 37 of those, I suppose, after the first game week. You also get to pick 15 players twice. So on both wildcards. So that's another 30. That adds up to around about 70. Captaincy each week as well puts it over 100. Um, so and, th- and then also you've got the free hit and when to bench boot, uh, ben- bench boost free hit. Um, so I'm going to go 150 ish. Okay, interesting. So um, I um, couldn't bother to work it out myself, so I asked an AI to do it for me. Okay. <laughs> but, um, this is what this is, and me and Claude then worked together. Claude's the AI and not a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of what we put together. So you had to pick the initial squad, as you said, so 15 players at 15 decisions. You've got to set an initial captain. Um, and then, uh, so that's kind of 38 captain choices. And then vice captain mm-hmm. is another 38. And then you've got to make transfers. Um, so each game week you get one or you know two free transfers apart from a couple of weeks where you've got um you know your wild card your free hit so triple week weeks actually we've got your wild card your free hit and you've got your um your second wild card so probably about nets out at 1.5 transfers per week multiply mm-hmm. that by kind of 35 something like that so you get kind of 50 ish and um, use chips you've got four chips available so when you're going to use those um and you've got the wild card twice as a goal um so you've got and then as you said you've got your wild card teams times two plus the free hit so that's another 45 decisions you've got to set your starting 11 each week um so sometimes you don't change starting level, sometimes you've got to make a decision about subs, blah, blah, blah. So another 60, pick substitutes, and that's about kind of 40-ish. Overall, overall net, you make about 300 decisions a season. There's a rough rule okay. of thumb. Um, and then there's elective sort of stuff on top of that. 
To put it in perspective, though, there are probably about 450 to 500 players who appear at least once a season in the Premier League. Last year, there were 474 players who, who appeared, and that's over 380 games. Except this year, there'll be 380.6 games in actuality because the Luton match was abandoned around 60 minutes. But there are so many permutations there, if you think about it. 380 games about 450 to 500 players, and you've only got 300 decisions to control hundreds and thousands of combinations in front of you. It's made a little bit easier by the fact that the FPL pool is a bit small, um, but it is still David versus mm. Goliath, a mouse versus a lion. And you know, your control is, is is pretty limited, actually, um, luck, and luckily limited, I guess. Right, who scores? Foden again, Sam. Two for Foden. Yeah, I've just KDB. put it up on screen. KDB assist, though. So neither of us have KDB. If you're listening, you're probably cheering about, about the time that this pod has gone live anyway i will take it i will take yeah. it well okay great so i suppose that kind of shows how small this kind of sample of controllers and per week sam i mean in a game we we've we've literally got no control have we it's a bit of a schrodinger's cat it's a bit of an exam once you've sort of finished it yet your outcome is going to come your way no matter what as soon as deadline hits but what's really interesting though is what people do during the game week to try to exude or re-establish a sense of control over the outcome yeah. even if we fundamentally accept that we can do nothing like you know what sort of things do you think you do during a game week which you know, you know the outcome can't be changed but what sort of things do you do to try to I guess keep in touch with it keep up to date with it you know all that sort of thing so one of my, one of my key rituals and you've probably clocked onto this because um I, I do this with every live game I watch, but I, I have to turn off notifications on every everything I've got because I've just got so many group chats, so many like live score notifications, everything coming in that even though I know it makes absolutely no difference and I'm not really that fussed about spoilers. It's just a little bit of um, voodoo I feel like I put on myself if I've got the live score and all of the notifications notifications coming in i feel like it always goes badly for me and it's always bad news that flashes up on my screen first so to save myself that sort of punishment i like just watching the game fresh without staring at my phone and, and knowing what's about to come and, and and it makes the game more exciting so yeah, yeah that's the way i like to do it i don't think i've got too many rituals I used to be very into just refreshing my live fpl like live score as soon as the clean sheets loaded in at 60 minutes, as so rechecking the bonus oh, points every no, couple of minutes, never, never. I, I've stopped doing that now because it is just torture, especially as soon as I got Leno in goal. I knew I knew that that was just never going to end well. So, yeah, th those sort of things, because I've been playing FPL for a while, I've kind of put on the back burner. I'm not really doing them that much anymore because I know they just torture me mentally a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing as well, it's not really necessarily giving me any extra control, but... I mentioned it to you in, in passing either earlier today or yesterday where, when we were talking about how badly the week was going. But I, I almost think of like FPL Pricey and, and Sam as two different personas in a weird way. Like what one one side of my life is the FPL side. Obviously, yeah. I love it. But as soon as the games are off of the TV, as soon as I'm not looking at what, at what decisions I'm making in FPL, I try to just forget about it a little bit and just re-establish my persona as Sam which is not the <laughs> not the FPL nerd and straight away like life life's okay like it, it's not it's not all hinging on whether Foden gets a brace today or not it's fine um I obviously know that's not the case for everyone and it's quite difficult to pull the two apart but I think just yeah, because definitely. I've been playing for quite a few years now that it's become easier to 
establish two different identities that way and make it a little bit easier on myself. I, I understand mm. that. That maybe sounds like pre preaching. I'm definitely not telling anyone that's the way you have to do it. Um, it's just because I've been playing it for quite a while now. I've just ended yeah. up that way. And it's made, made me feel more better, more comfortable with the decisions I make. Yeah, certainly. It's basically putting the mute button on the FPL side of your brain, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and it, it used to be a bit more difficult for me to do. Now I've got a baby and all that sort of thing. It, it's so much easier for me to do. But there are loads of things that you know we all do, rituals we have. For example, you know, I've said, I was reacted to you saying, looking at the clean sheet odds, the clean mm. sheet points. I never, ever, ever, after 30, 60 minutes, look at the clean sheet points. I don't anymore. <laughs> because I, like, it's the worst kind of form of masochistic torture. Um, thinking, oh, you know what? Um, you know, this is what could have been. This is what you could have won. I remember I was in the group chat before I went on above average last year. And after 60 minutes, they were kind of going, oh, yeah, but he needs this to get more bonus. And he needs this mm. um, for a defender. I was like, lads, seriously, no. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I, I feel physically like I need to leave this chat because it's so awful. Like, there's something kind of anathema to me about that, even considering these points as being my points. <laughs> you know, I just feel like they're going to be gone so much. But I suppose that there's that. And then more widely, there are things like going on FPL, uh, live FPL, um, keeping track of what's going on through live updates, like like you mentioned, and kind of navigating the way around how that sort of works for you. Uh, you know, you, you've got things like looking at the EO and mentally registering where the EO is, what the key yeah. are. And we both That's a big had, one. had a quiet, you know, um, a virtual high five about Sablanki, uh, mm -hmm. for example, yesterday. And then also stuff like, you know, planning for next week mentally based on performances or hunches that you've kind of seen through scouting the football and also stuff that we don't do anymore. Um, the most basic error that a lot of people do is raise transfers during the game week, you know, chasing yeah. the point straight away. Like all of that is kind of related to an attempt to establish sense of control over something which is essentially uncontrollable. It's this illusion of control, um, which is a, the, the behavioral science term, which is essentially self-delusion. Like you're effectively helpless or you can do a sit back and watch uh, unless you are you know, a Premier League footballer who's able to get on the pitch. And a really good analogy for what for what we're doing when we're on you know, live FPL, uh, you know, checking out what the EO is, planning for next week, or even you know, making raise transfers is... Um, Traffic lights and pedestrian crossings. So a bit of a, something you scarcely ponder, Sam. But did you know that not all traffic lights are actually manually triggered? So for some, the traffic needs to stop anyway to allow for the flow. Like you probably know one intersection in your town or area yeah. where it's like, you know, it's got to go and you, you know you're going to be able to cross um, despite mm -hmm. you know, not pressing the button. But what do people do? What do you do when you reach that particular intersection when you have to cross the road, even if you know the traffic has stopped anyway? You press the button. <laughs> like yeah. you can't help it because you kind of want to kind of have the element of control over something which is completely uncontrollable it gives you kind of a feeling that you're creating a situation where an outcome is something which is that you've directed <laughs> when in fact it's completely irrelevant to you being there like if you weren't there the traffic would still kind of slow stop in a certain way it's just that you happen to kind of be there trying to do something it's, it's really fascinating to me that there's kind of probably you know there's definitely a certain number of um, pedestrian crossings out there equipped, you know, with, with the with the button. <laughs> They're just completely, actually, just just facades. Really, they don't really do anything. And I suppose that's what FPL managers are reduced to when a game week is live. Really, we're, we're pressing a button at busy traffic lights, which basically does nothing. <laughs> like you know, anything we do is actually irrelevant. But I think it helps, doesn't it? Like it, it kind of 
I, I don't know, it kind of soothes um, the feeling of helplessness, perhaps. And uh, yeah. if you're doing really well, like, there's nothing more kind of addictive than looking at live FPL every kind of few minutes, you know, especially in the 3 p.m.s if you're having a really great Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're getting goal assists, you know, and everything's sort of, it's all sort of flying in, you know, you, next time you look at your phone or you kind of hear bang, bang, bang from the from the um, sofa score alerts, it's all your players. And there's nothing better than going on live FPL and as soon as it kind of, unclogs again just seeing that oh my god how big is that green arrow like, i had that a couple of times last year um but if it's going really badly that's like, the last thing you'll be doing like yeah. you, you almost don't want that control but you kind of do you kind of want to then kind of be thinking oh you know it's not that bad because there's always this sort of contingency you know all right this has happened like this big owned player has done that has, has scored a couple has scored like 10 points but i've got these few players to play so then i can go on live fpl do the what if machine or whatever it is now and then kind of put my remaining players so if they score nine and if there's an assist for him then it's probably going to be okay and i may even gain like it's it's, it's mad isn't it kind of the strange little behavioral cycles we go through during a game week especially when we kind of focus on it like it feels a bit sort of uncomfortable almost thinking about what i do during a regular game week because yeah it's, it's like yeah, it's uber nerd behavior isn't it yeah well another big one that we we kind of skimmed over but i think people know where we're going with this is team leaks like every single week the 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 control is gone the leaks are coming out after the deadline in a lot of cases have done today as well obviously and yet all day i can't help myself but like tune in on on twitter and say, oh by the way tom it looks like harlan's starting oh it looks like foden's starting it makes no difference we could just wait until the until the match is an hour out and we get the official lineups but despite the fact it the deadline's been more than 48 hours ago we still love seeing it because it just gives you that little bit of an adrenaline boost like just the hope that your player is starting and therefore could return especially in a week like this where obviously Haaland was very questionable whether or not he was going to start that's another little bit of not I don't necessarily think you feel like you're in control but just having all of the relevant information, if even if there's nothing that you can do with it, it feels like you're pressing that traffic light. It feels like you're pressing that button to met to to trigger something when actually absolutely nothing is going to change, whether or not you find out that information an hour before the game or three hours before the game, as long as there's no deadline in between the, the two the two moments. So yeah, I, I think that's another really key one that um, we're kind of all just stuck with. I don't think I'm going to stop looking out for team leaks. It's hard not to. Um, veteran in the chat as well. Hey, hey, mate. Um, one, one, one of the only ones in the chat just messaging constantly at the moment as well. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Um, says this whole leaked team lineup thing is insane. You can't change your team, so why are people that bothered? And yeah, in theory, I completely agree. But my human, my human side of me just can't help myself. Yeah. I, I need to see. I need to see where the Harlan's starting in advance. And I, I just, I can't explain why it's important to me, but it just is. Yeah, there's definitely value attached to that information. A lot of it's emotional. Mm. It's, it's not at all. Um, yeah, there's no practical value to knowing that apart yeah. from kind of managing your feelings <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that's kind of how it is i suppose and i don't, I don't know like so i guess we've re-established that you've got limited control over the course of the season and probably zero control after deadline yeah what do you have and you, what you have is kind of 
the, this idea of the butterfly effects again every week, apart from from kind of for the first week or when you wild card, which is kind of you go back to sort of ground zero a little bit. There is a little mm. bit of a a nuance in there because when you wild card, you have things like team value, which are kind of a bit of a um, a bit of a, an influencing factor because it means that you can afford or not afford certain players, which are all based on your decisions in the past. But um, in terms of kind of the butterfly effects that I've mentioned, like all of your decision outcomes sort of show in your rank and show in how you're doing and show in how you're acting as well. So we've said the last few weeks, you know what, like we, uh, I said, as we were saying last week, I've got this sort of sense of paralysis. I think anything I do is likely to go wrong. So I don't really know what I'm going to do. I've got no sort of conviction in my decision-making. And so I, I don't know. How do we, I suppose, control the controllables while having a semblance of a peace of mind? Uh, and I, I think that, you know, every week, it is, it, there's so much to be sort of weighed up, isn't there? Like, you know, last year with Lucy, it was all about listening to an ultra-cautious manager, basically always looking at the exposure. Like, what, what, what is going to hurt me? How do I cover that? Whereas in the past, you know, with Anthony, um, with Nick to a certain, it was a bit more similar to Lucy, but Anthony was a lot more sort of like, where can I benefit? And you're a, little, a bit of a blend of the two, where you'll kind of always have the cautious side in mind, but you'll also be looking for the advantage. Um, mm. So I don't know, like controlling the controllables during the game week before during the week before the game week actually begins i suppose that's kind of the biggest moment isn't it that those kind of few kind of things we can do transfer vice captain captain subs that that's kind of it isn't it but so much of the time it is based on a butterfly effect like where you were where you find yourself it all kind of can hinge on an inadvertent decision you made in game week nine in my case for example yeah absolutely so how do yeah. we counter that, Sam? How do we deal with that? <laughs> well, isn't that the million dollar question? It's it's one of those things that I, I think the further down you go the rabbit hole, it feels like you're almost locked into a certain strategy, a certain path. That is an illusion. That that is in itself like the the pod the, the pod title today is illusion of control, but it works the other way as well. There is an illusion that you feel like you're lacking the control when actually you've still got all of the options available to you. You've still got chips. You've still got all the transfers you could ever want if you are willing to use the, the minus fours to get there. So there is always alternatives and ways of thinking around the problem. But obviously you have to weigh up each on the merits of the moment. You don't want to look back and say, oh, that you made this mistake five or six game weeks ago and I'm, I'm going down this path. There's no way out of it. You have to weigh it up on where your team is at today. And rather than reacting to things going poorly, you need to process the information that is given to you at the moment you're making the decision and trying to figure out what the best route to take is or the most, I guess, I guess I don't want to use the word optimal, but the most the, the smartest route for your team is the most likely to be successful um, in your personal point of view at that moment. And it is hard to do to take yourself out of an emotional decision when you know that maybe in the in the bottom of your heart, you know that the mistake was made four or five weeks ago and you're just sort of trying to dig yourself out of that hole. But you still need to kind of put that to one side each week in FPL and figure out what the best route is for this week rather than oh yeah. i made the mistake four or five weeks ago how do i get myself out of that problem i agree and it it's certainly 
an interesting conundrum and there's different managers have different ways of trying to figure out the problem in front of them mm. obviously the ideal situation to be in is two free transfers i can't do anything with my team it's perfect it's optimal week after week i can think of one period over the last the whole period of wgta there's another goal sound oh, okay. <laughs> where, where that has happened phil foden hat trick it's wow. actually it is wow um, legend um i can't believe i've wanted him to not play today so i could get garnacho off the bench <laughs> well careful what you wish for samuel yeah um, uh, yeah I, I can only think of one time um and that was kind of you know last year i remember when we were kind of burning transfers it was like around sort of you know game week seven to nine something like that <laughs> that's the ideal situation to be in but normally you always have a some assist. that's good some sort of points is always very nice might be a green arrow now, Sam. That's that's I, very I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm getting I'm getting closer. That's, that's very exciting for involved. <laughs> <laughs> so um managers have different ways of trying to get to a solution to the problem they're presented with. You've got mm. on one extreme, you've got the analytics guys who will look at FPL review and basically a lot of the time with some added in sort of sense of understanding. Um adjusting the next minutes using their own sort of nous, using their own planning and um, make decisions mostly based on the objective data that fpl review gives, review gives you on the other side you've got the grass people who are literally like oh you know he's been in good form whatever that means i'm going to just buy him in i've spotted something over the last few games that you know, ryan eight nori looks fantastic he's he's mm -hmm. due points he's just missed out a couple of times i've got a hunch because they're good pitches coming up and in the middle is kind of us i think a lot more these days where we've, we've got both kind of attributes you know you look at and uh, mikhail don't you mikhail's algorithm i've got mikhail and i've got fpl review but i've also kind of got um, a semblance of the eye test. I don't watch as much football these days because I, I haven't got the time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I try to kind of have an integrative approach as I speak about a lot of the time. And I think it's really interesting kind of how all of these tools are used to try to exert kind of control over the, the situation you're in. Because a lot of the time, unless you're kind of on a real blinder, you know, you, you, know, you can't stop picking players who score goals and or, or return like you know I, I had that last year um, but it's very seldom i think that does happen and um, i you know it's, it's always fascinating how all of these things sort of fit in together and i suppose if we were to rank uh, i think kind of chips transfers and captains are probably the three main points getters i'd say sam Mm -hmm. like the immediate sort of generators because if you transfer the player in yeah i know if you hold a player that's kind of different but the initial transfers where the impact's made i, I suppose as we're entering chip season the question becomes like how important does chips are chips really like do we have a bit less control as we're planning our transfers and have to sometimes ignore good runs of single single game week players we'll speak about that in a minute or is it that we're exercising max control by sticking to a plan of sorts i mean chip season is always seen as the time where engaged managers kind of rise <laughs> like 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 cream effectively to the top is it something that you've got a lot of hope in in our kind of current mired situation somewhere kind of between 500 and 300k yeah i i do still have hope and i i think it it obviously is fading week on week it gets worse and worse at the moment for us May, maybe not so much this week now but i i do still have a lot of hope we're within the realms of 
a couple of good game weeks getting us back in the mix. And those couple of game weeks, if we play your, if you play your chips right, if you play it at the optimal moment and you get a net 30 or 40 points on the crowd, which we've seen happen with chips before, especially if you use them in the right combination as well, then you could easily gain 50, 60 points on the crowd in just a couple of game weeks with smart play. Now, I think the problem that me and you are both having a little bit before we get really onto the chip strategy discussion is that we're both hesitating as to whether we can figure out what the optimal chip strategy is going to be in our situation and whether or not that's going to give us the necessary boost. But I think there are enough managers above us still, even now, even with all the engagement there is, that have used chips already that just by using the chips, just by having them in our back pocket, you'd expect to gain 20 or 30 points generally on most of the crowd. And then if you've used them in the right way, if you've nailed them, then the variance can work in your favour and you can still easily make up that gap. Every season we see managers talk about how they've risen from a million to top 100k in just three or four game weeks. We're not we're not that low at the moment. And even if you are, I definitely wouldn't be giving up hope because the highest variance occurs when chips are involved, when people feel like they're starting to go on tilt, which is around now, there will be people who also go the other way because they've gone on tilt and they've they've messed it up somehow. So stay engaged, keep making the logical transfers, keep playing the game in your way and see where, where you end up at the end of the season. At the end of the day, it's just a game. So just play your way and see where it, where you come out at the end. Indeed. And I think it's interesting as well, the chip strategies we were speaking about over the weekend when we were mm. potentially on tilt compared to now, we were both on green arrows, I'm sure now. Small ones, but green arrows. And that kind of changes the complexion of your thinking a lot of the time. And I suppose that's wrong, actually, when you think about it, because you're kind of allowing outcome, you know, this idea of sort of resulting um, that I've spoken about before. And I spoke about it with Ross Raptor and Simon March um, a couple of seasons ago on the uh, summer specials about. Um, but, you know, we were thinking about potentially, you know, going towards that bench boost in 25, something that I was thinking about the last few weeks and while, potentially even wildcarding this week um, to yeah. set up that bench boost. And try to make it sort of work because you know i looked at my team right um over the weekend and you know, dan burn pretty likely to lose his place not you know let's not be around the bush i mean i think that there's definitely he's definitely the most targetable um member of that defense and when you've got a player like tino livramento um you know sat waiting in the wings who can play in the left back position um it kind of feels like his, his time may be nigh slightly Gordon injured. You know, we both got Taylor and Turner to deal with. Um, mm. And then, you know, you've also got questions surrounding, is Gordon going to be fit? Um, is there a way uh, in my position, I've got, you know, two Arsenal defenders, Ben White, Tommy Asu is now back from Japan. So as uh, a Japanese um, national duty, is there going to be a question about him? There's a lot that I could potentially move around. So you know, maybe I'll be thinking, you know what, I'm just going to take out, all the trash in one go, <laughs> effectively, and and wild card this week. Benjamin's twenty five. But the more I looked at it, um, I, the more I felt like I was forcing it. And I, if it was like a moment of kind of clarity, a bit of an epiphany, where I kind of thought, you know what, I'm literally just forcing this through to try to f kind of 
give yourself an illusion of that control i guess that's it yeah and, and there's also kind of the element of sunk cost fallacy as well where i was kind of yeah thinking, right, you know I, i've propagated venture 25 quite a lot on the pod and i've got a few problems with my team now so i could wildcard it all away and then i'm set for venture 25 so i fulfilled what i saw on the pod you know i fulfilled that sort of plan that i've put loads of kind of time thought and effort into creating the reality is having thought about it and really sort of ask asking those questions of myself as a <laughs> mark fpl general likes to say i i just kind of realized that actually no <laughs> you know you, you leave yourself with so much to do like even after wednesday where we know aston villa versus chelsea in the fa cup result therefore we'll know a bit more about 29 that's there's big. still yeah. so much to do between 26 and 29 especially if you're making a 25 friendly um, now we know the liverpool uh, looting game there's so there's too much to do between those two when the team that you've got is perfectly serviceable all of our teams, I'd I'd wager, unless it's some sort of weird sort of off the wall situation, everybody's team is serviceably good enough to get eleven out with four, five doublers in 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 twenty five and get the get a triple captain on Holland or maybe even Foden after tonight, you know, <laughs> and then just get it done. You know, it's fine. Uh, maybe Salah if he's back fit and, you know, the, the clock comes out and says, oh, he's going to play 90 minutes times two. Um, but it definitely feels like to me, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to zag, it's not really going to happen for me, Sam. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And obviously we've gone back and forward quite a lot over this in the last week, even, even as as short a time ago as this morning you were thinking about wildcarding as well so it is it is definitely a viable strategy I think it's just sometimes it feels good to just get get it done get it out of the way and, and bin everything that's going wrong in one in one fell swoop but I think it, even though the net gain would be very positive in the short term if you're setting up the team like you say to try and navigate not only 25 but then also 26 and 29 there's going to be a lot of compromises there and probably you're going to end up in a team that doesn't really look that different to now with a couple of exceptions. So I think muddling through for the time being, surviving 26 and 29 with a few transfers here and there, maybe a minus four, minus eight somewhere in there just to navigate it and then really attacking the fixtures, the doubles, where there is going to be a lot more upside is going to be the play here. Um, that being said, though, there are different chip strategies that can work. I mean, Bench Boost 25 is still, in both of our cases, very much potentially on the cards if things fall in our favour. I think a big factor there will be whether or not Salah's back in time. If he's not, I think Bench Boost is probably one of my favoured um, favored strategies. But the only issue is when else are you going to use a triple captain? So it's a, a bit of an opportunity cost question there. Um, ben in the chat, a good, good friend of mine, uh, 200k overnight up to 81k. Phil Foden captain, Ben, that is incredible. Now, I'm I'm so pleased for him. I, I've known him for years and years and years. So, yeah, good to hear from you, mate. And uh, that is incredible, genuinely. So well done. I'm very happy for you. Oh. Not jealous very, at all, either. That feels a very uh, free gritted teeth. Right, round <laughs> of perception then, Sam. How much of our, uh, we haven't even spoken about variance, but I think we can all we all know that sort of weird nebulous thing is going to be there. You know, the idea that if Holland does manage to stroke it past uh, Flecken's leg in the first half, and you know, here we all are, extolling our own virtues and feeling fantastic about our lives. Um, 
what percentage do you think is random in FPL? And what percentage do you think is control? Because I think control is ultimately a bit of a parallel for skill a lot of the time. Like, how mm-hmm. well can you control your FPL team? I can't. I, 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 I've got to be honest. Like the last kind of, especially being an editor of content, create or content creator, that's a horrible term. And <laughs> having done the pod for so long, like the reality is I tend to have a lot of trouble um, controlling my FPL team or controlling myself as a manager um, because that's kind of where it really comes down to. Um, I think maybe the, the balance differs depending on you as a person. Um, I think the randomness is, is, is perhaps always going to be there as a thing. And the control you can exert, I'm, I I would always say that the control you exert is actually quite small, um, but it's about eking out the, those fine margins within the control that you exert that loads of people, think about loads of great managers we have in the pod, excel at. And that's something that I've just kind of fundamentally failed to do. Maybe, you know, I should just adopt work, Tom, and look at F, the, the algorithms and just follow them. But there's a kind of a feeling in me that I do that at work. I want to do something different and maybe I'd be doing loads better as an FPL manager, but I'd be having less fun or at least I wouldn't be able to attribute it to me because I spend a lot of time basically acting like the algorithm is something that I've done at work. Yeah. I don't want to be doing that. At the end of the day. I don't want to be doing that in, in FPL as well. Um, mm. No shade FPL on this is crew, um, but that is what you do. Let's just admit it and be honest about it. We're all adults here. Um, what do you think, Sam? I think probably like 90, 10, I'd say 90% random, 10% control, but it's about how you use that 10%. Exactly. Yeah, perfectly summarised. I think that there is an element of control in FPL, as we've discussed. It is minimal because we're always in the hands of the FPL gods as soon as the games are kicked off. Football is inherently a pretty random game. Uh, obviously, managers and players will try and control each match as much as they can, but even they aren't able to maximize control every single week so what chance do we have however I think the harder you work in life the luckier you tend to get and if I'm cross-pollinating that that phrase that that motto into control in FPL I think the more information you input into your decisions the more informed you are the greater chance of using that control to your advantage you have that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful, but it gives you a, a slightly better chance than average of being successful because you're controlling the, the very small margins that you can. There is a huge amount that you would attribute to luck and you should always, always incorporate that in your thinking. But you put yourself in the position to get lucky by making sensible, logical decisions. And I think as FPL managers, that's the part that we can do. That's the part that we can try to do. And it's also luckily quite fun, which is why we play the game. So I'd hate to lose that and and just and just pretend that it is complete potluck and I could just put in 11 random players every week and I've got just as good a chance of winning FPL as if I actually thought about it. Because I think we know deep down that that isn't the case. I think you you still have to exude whatever element of control you can, but knowing that that won't be a guarantee of success. Lovely. Brilliantly summarised. Okay, right. Let's move along to the week ahead, the week ahead preview. Um, so the new way of looking at the second half of the pod. And um, I think that this is like a nice logical way to slightly restructure it just to make it sort of a bit more punchy. I think it's something that I kind of thought of this morning. I woke up inspired, Sam, and maybe <laughs> I was thinking about a Foden hat trick or something that dreamt of it. I have been up since um, 5.45, so maybe it's just delirium. 
at this point. Yeah, it's amazing you're still going, to be honest. Oh, you know what I'm like. Right, <laughs> okay. Um, so we're kind of using this as our sort of B story <laughs> after kind of the main story of the, kind of the, the, the contemplate, protemplate kind of section that will return in the future. I know that we've sort of been a bit lapsed on that, but, you know, it's been a bit of a weird period. We will go back to kind of regular scheduling soon. Um, but the first part of the week ahead preview is always bowl claims. And it, it's been a, a very high scoring period, hasn't it? It has. We've been in a bit, a bit of good form recently, especially you. I think you've overtaken me. I think you were 4-1 down at one point. You're now 6-5 up. So I think you've got five in pretty quick succession, if I if my calculations are correct, including this week um, where you nailed four goals in Arsenal-Liverpool. So well Just done. Well, thanks, Trossard. Yeah, last minute there. Yeah, very good. Um, obviously, you're very happy with the result as well. So that's all gone very well for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, and I went, even though Watkins apparently never registered in my mind as a captaincy option, I was more than happy to punt on him getting 10 plus points against Sheffield United in my bold claims. So uh, maybe I should listen to myself more. Um, but yeah, that yeah. came off as well um, with flying colours. I think if he got to 20, I would have asked you for two points. Um, but no, <laughs> not quite. Um, I'll take the one point. Uh, six, five down, but plenty of time left in the season to come back from behind and, and try and take the victory. Cool. Right. What are we... Uh pulling out of our posteriors this week then <laughs> so this week i'm switching it up i'm going with the goals this week and uh spurs brighton seems too good to miss out on i think there'll be goals galore so i'm going with four plus in that one just like you did last week with your success in arsenal liverpool nice yeah but that's definitely a space that goals are going to be scored unfortunately by a man neither of us are likely to own yeah carlson um, I am going for Darwin to punish the sellers. This is the second time I've backed Darwin in the last few mm -hmm. weeks. Um, but I kind of feel like it's a second price drop <laughs> Darwin's had recently. And uh, I saw um, a, a couple of kind of mentions about this player has got ridiculous underlying data um, without kind of any eye test stuff involved. Would you sell this player? Um, I can see why people are selling, to be honest, just because of how frustrating it is. I know, I know that there was a moment where you wanted to um, I mean, buy a cardboard cut out of him and just kind of kick it to death effectively <laughs> this weekend. Um, but I, I feel like you know selling him before Burnley just just fills me with existential dread. For people who have done that, There's, you can't. You just can't. I just don't know what what people are doing. Really, it's, it's, it's almost fifty thousand cells, so it's not that it's not loads and loads and loads. No, it's still enough to make me kind of wonder. Really, really, like looked at the fixtures. Are you just kind of rushing to? If you're rushing to Watkins, okay, fine, I can just about see that. But no, it goes back to that mistake of kind of points chasing that I don't think any of us really make these days. Cool. All right. Uh, so key issues this week, uh, key things which are on the register, and. Um, probably setting up for double game week 25 i think that's going to be something which um is certainly uh, all over the questions that we're going to be asked um richarlison becoming a bit of a monster um definitely seems to have mastered uh well his fellow south american darwin don't let him think about it give him a one-touch finish and he'll do it and richarlison seems to have mastered that obviously mm -hmm. for brazil he's an absolute hero and I feel like maybe that's kind of happening a bit more for Spurs now. Now he's got that sort of familiarity with the role. And paradoxically, even though he's not a forward, 
the forward bracket has just become ridiculous, hasn't it? Like mm. Hoyland, for example, we mentioned him a couple of pods ago, and certainly last pod as well, has, has suddenly kind of burst onto the scene. Um, we've got Solanke kind of still hanging around, obviously a lot of kind of upset for, for um, captains and owners this week. Um, and I don't know, there, there are so many players within that bracket where you, you kind of think, it's, it's almost like back to the old days where, you know, for the last few years, we've been kind of going, oh, you can go with two. The death of the third forward, as Nick would kind of put it. But now, you know, you've got like a Cunha yeah. out of nowhere. F- football manager hero Cunha, who's actually in my draft team, scored a hat trick this week. Legend. Carlton Morris. Adebayo. Yeah. Sheffield United up next. And um, Joel Pedro, um, who, who apparently died a death. <laughs> was grievously injured up he pops with a goal 5.5 very cheap thank you very much uh, Chris Wood out for six to eight weeks and um, but there's so many players suddenly in the striker bracket and then throw in Ivan Tony for the double game week and wow you know it's a, it's a real foster cluck in there isn't it really and um, so quite a lot to talk about but the first question Sam is uh, who's the best captain this week um where are we going to go with the captaincy um it's an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? Because I, I suppose it's it's kind of all in on Hall and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, Everton, we've spoken about their defence. I'm, I'm not at all sat here kind of saying that Everton's defence are going to suddenly turn into AC Milan in the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, but, but, that, but, that, but it's still a very, very difficult game for Everton. Um, but they are, you know, seventh overall for Team SGC this season. Um, and there's Gandhi to to contend with. It's the early game, um, yeah. and whereas Liverpool play Burnley, um, and yes, okay, they didn't have a great game against Arsenal. Looked a bit off it, um, but Burnley are kind of one of those teams that are there for the taking. And perhaps it's a case of thinking about where's that sort of explosiveness going to come from this week. Um, it's always a case of you know, it, will City get an early goal? Effectively, is where you're going to be going with it. Uh, Holland's just been subbed, by the way. Yeah, um, but... it came off 86. So good minutes today. Um, yeah. With that in mind, he should probably be in line for another, unless he's gone off injured, which we don't know at, at time of recording, but we're assuming not. He obviously will be a very popular, probably the most popular captaincy option against Everton, despite what we've just mentioned about their defence. I think he will be most people's bus team captain, but Burnley at home for Liverpool, they will want revenge after well, to avenge what happened last week. And as weird as it sounds, Darwin is quite tempting because so, he's so low-owned now because everyone everyone's just sort of given up on him. He's, absol- he's absolutely crazy on the underlying data, like we've just discussed as well. And Burnley are the sort of team that will play out from the back no matter what. They will leave themselves open to being found out and picked apart by teams that play in the sort of way that Liverpool do play. High velocity, high press. They'll try and pin them back in. Burnley will try and play it out. And Darwin and Jota could easily get in behind that and make the most of it several times over. So that could that could be a sneaky differential option. Jota would be the safer one, obviously. Um, but Darwin, if he's kept penalties after that one miss... Um, then who knows? Maybe he could be a really good option, which is just absolutely <laughs> insane to think about. Um, and obviously, again, frustrated against Arsenal, but he was he did have a knock. Otherwise, I think he would have started. Um, and then when he came on, 
um, they were a different team with him in. And and they looked really blunt without him. They couldn't get the ball up the pitch. They couldn't hold the ball up the pitch. So I think he'll be straight back into the starting eleven, um, and hopefully gets good good minutes against Burnley, who looked there for the taking. So, I mean, no questions that Ireland's going to be the most popular one. But I really don't mind the sound of Liverpool either. Yep, I, mean, I, I quite like um, the, the 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 pros um, in the Liverpool column, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so that could be one. Um, Foden, uh, Shane, as you said this in the chat as well, um, Foden's um, scored the second most goals in the Premier League against Everton. Um, so he'd like okay. to play in them. Um, so it could be something to think about, especially this tonight he has been playing the 10. Um, I don't, who, who said that he might be playing the 10? quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um, uh, Foden's um, could again be of interest I don't know if you would go there with Holland there I think Holland's going to be the EO Hoover so the safe one um, but there's definitely kind of a, a scope to go uh, with a Liverpool player also scope to think of, of your bold claim go with Richarlison essentially yeah against Brighton right Absolutely. Yeah, I really like that as an option as well. Um, that could be a really good outside shout. He's in the form of his life right now and Brighton conceded absolute ton of chances. So yeah, love it. Really good differential option there. Yeah, on his way up the underlying data as well. Um, before tonight, mm. he was just above Foden in terms of the non-pen SGI. It won't be anymore. Um, so probably just kind of 20, top 20, um, but yeah. still good enough. And as you said, in the form of his life. Transfers this week, then, if we're kind of not mm -hmm. sure where we're going with Captain, then we'll give our kind of thoughts at the very end. Uh, transfers in this week, um, lots of discussion around doubles and blanks as discussed as kind of one of the key headline things. Definitely a lot of kind of traffic on this particular issue. Uh, Andrew Can Callanan uh, says it's difficult to find the right balance in setting up for double game week while ignoring informed players like Richarlison. So Richarlison, uh, the pigeon, is at the top bought player so far this week 170k transfers in i suspect he'll be eclipsed by phil foden uh, by the end of the week and um, there's also kind of wolves attackers andrew says and maybe united assets as well in the mix now all kind of lacking a um a, a second sort of, uh, all, all lacking a, a double get a double game week but still mm. potentially you know a worth considering uh, how many players i guess should you have in a double game week again is a question <laughs> that will be asked an awful lot um how are we going to make it work and Dave jacobs has asked himself you know how many doubles is enough for game week 25 because you sat with two no liverpool is it worth taking hits this week to get liverpool players in uh, so you get a kind of burnley game as well i think that probably is a bit of a yes like this is the time you start looking at it jeff pedder says you know liverpool what on earth do we do here there's so much around doubles and blanks isn't there sam and you know we're always mm. going to say it's about striking a balance etc etc and so on and so on but there are tough decisions to be made especially if you don't have richarlison don't have those kind of walls attackers, et cetera, et cetera. But a salient point probably is Richarlison, where you're probably in a position where if you don't own a player like Richarlison, you've probably got him or you've got Jota as your kind of A or B choice. Yeah. Where, where would you lean in that kind of conundrum? I, I've got that exact conundrum this week, and it's it's really tearing me up a little bit because that my gut says Richarlison is just the player to go for at the moment, but 
because of the fixtures, I think you balance out the next two game weeks, not just one. And I think Jota probably ends up ahead as long as we don't get any news on Salah being back. I think if that if that comes in, that changes the dynamic somewhat and we start questioning Liverpool attackers' minutes a little bit ahead of the double. Um, but until that moment, Jota looks like a pretty... A pr- I was about to say important, but a pretty good buy at the very least. Um, Richarlison, though, again, like I think we all get our blinkers on a little bit too much with double game weeks, and it's one game week, and he's got good fixtures regardless. I think the only problem is that complicates his case. It specifically is the fact that the blank game week comes directly after, and it's not just Tottenham that we need to worry about in that week. It's also Chelsea assets and Liverpool assets. So can we afford, if you haven't got him already, can you afford to add another blanking player in 26? Or are you willing to take an additional minus four when it gets to 26 just to field 10 or 11 players, knowing that you've kind of banked the points, hopefully by bringing him in for someone else earlier on. And I think without the double game week, his upside is naturally going to be slightly lower than someone like Jota or Darwin potentially but he still could easily get two hauls in the next two weeks and easily outweigh the minus four that it will require to remove either him or another player just to get back to 11 in game week 26 so yeah it it, it's definitely in my consideration and because I've got two free transfers I'm not completely ruling out going for both I like that and also you know maybe it's something that we maybe could have thought a bit more about and we, we certainly something that i floated um in terms of the burnley game of man city um that you can sometimes there's sometimes a right or rightly or wrongly there's sometimes uh, a case to take the points and run with a player mm. knowing it's a quick and dirty purchase effectively it'll be over really quickly it's not like a long-term relationship not, not long-term investment it's a short-term fling it's a short-term trade um maybe we could have done that um looking at alvarez knowing that Hall, the, the information that Holland wasn't going to play could have brought alvarez in punts on the caps and of course there's hindsight infused in that sort of um, assertion but it's still kind of broadly true that you can do that and richardson versus Brighton, especially kind of in the light of your bold claim, could be one that would fit into that category. And with the game in 29, there's extra utility surrounding that player. So it's not the worst thing in the world. There's always a justification for bringing in Richardson this week. That's a good um, point. So I don't mind that at all, um, to be honest. And there's certainly something I'm looking at um, mm. too, especially because I've got uh, Gordon, uh, I've, I've got a very strong front and I'm thinking this may be something which a lot of people have got now. I don't, I don't see that many kind of archers um, and you know, 4.5 million midfielders flying around. I think loads of people have got a very strong front eight at the moment. So there perhaps is space to optimise a tiny bit, but it has to be based around the, the week that you're kind of confronted with. At the moment, for me, I don't really have that space, but for you, you do. Um, in your team so you can kind of make it work you're going to make kind of I think it's one tough benching decision potentially now you own Holland, but it won't be the end of the world probably um, depending on where you go so yeah I, I don't mind that at all honestly and I think that's absolutely fine and in terms of kind of discussing that <laughs> double and blank setup I mean inevitably now we are kind of in in the in the place where 
know, we've got to play what's in front of us, which is 24, which has got a very kind set of fixtures, to be honest, for the teams which are, um, you know, blank and uh, double certainly and blank also proximal in some cases. So Wolves and Brentford, um, not the best game in the world, but if you are looking at bringing Ivan Tony, I wouldn't say no to that game. Obviously, did blank tonight, but that's kind of to be expected against City. Uh, last year's um, uh, heroic efforts aside, uh, Liverpool have got Burnley. Um, so as, as we both sort of mentioned, um, especially in response to the question uh, from Naif, I mean, that would probably be the time to kind of just think, you know what, sod it. I'm just going to get one or two in you know, right now. Um, and then you've got Luton, Sheffield United. I mean, no, I'm looking at bringing in I've, I've still got charlie taylor um so that's an easy move over to alfie doughty um and i think that that might be what i do this week mm-hmm. um and man city as well have everton so if you're on the triple up um i don't know if you've i think it's gonna have to be the, the midfield triple up now um i don't really see where the defensive sort of attraction is to be honest, um, you know, Arsenal have got City Itis, City got City Itis, not City Itis like back in the old days. But City Itis in conceding that one goal, and I don't trust either like Arsenal defence. I mean, I mention them incidentally, but I don't trust City to to keep a clean sheet. To be honest, at all, I don't trust any team to keep a clean sheet at all. Um, I think, I think it's one cover... in twelve now as well for City. It's, it's mental. I'll cover. We can cover that off in any any other business. There's a couple of questions kind of about that. Um, so yeah, um, I think there's inevitably going to be around that um, to respond to the initial kind of point that Andrew Callanan made about kind of trying to get the balance right. But there are some ancillary things that you think about which are you know 20 the 29 blank how do i kind of start to build for that so it can be kind of if you buy a player in who kind of it's sort of like a, a sort of a magic thing a, a magic sort of a golden lock sort of zone where okay richard doesn't have the 29 but he's got two pretty okay fixtures um in brighton which is kind of defensive, defensive, uh, offensively a really good game. Uh, Wolves, um, who are you know a bit of a, a bit of a jack in the box, really <laughs> don't really know what you're going to get. Well, you do know you, you get the same jack every time. A bit of a mystery box, I should probably say. <laughs> and you've got a blank in twenty six. If you can handle that, cool. Because then you've got Crystal Palace in twenty seven, who are at six and sevens at the moment. Um, a bit of a dodgy game twenty eight against Aston Villa, but you know, Spurs where they play that always going to be chances and then Fulham uh, away in 29 that game is definitely on and then losing the game with 30 they score loads of goals but they also concede loads of goals so all good and um, so yeah um there's always going to be ways that you can kind of find a way I suppose around all this and the you know, same works for the Wolves attackers potentially the same definitely works for the United attackers we've got a very kind schedule and um, not really in the consideration set for those people at the moment purely because um, the Man United, so um, people don't really want to think about them unless you're a United fan, in which case you think about them all day long. <laughs> but they're really good fixtures, apart from game which went in seven versus Man City. Next game against Villa, I suspect we're going to end up in a, a, a Ten Hag out um, meta again, but 25 Luton, 26 Fulham, 27 uh, Everton, and 29 game versus Sheffield United may go ahead, um, but there's certainly some kind of vague utility going forward, um, especially if Gonacho. So yeah, Absolutely. quite a lot on. Um, Andy Penman asks if, uh, thinking about kind of the Spurs players, there is one who a lot of people do own, uh, apart from Richardson, which is Porro. Um, 
is the move out on, he says, considering mixed defensive fortunes, the upcoming bank, blank, and have you seen Spurs recently? Uh, Jeff Pedder asked a question last week about uh, Poro too. And the Captain Kimbing says Poro should be the make weight, for, ideally for Trippier. Um, could he be a player that you'd be looking to get rid of? Yeah, I think so. And I think it weighs into the whole Richarlison debate quite nicely as well, because at the end of the day, we're going, if we want to survive game week 26, some some of these players need to be on the chopping block. I think we'll probably all be looking at getting rid of a Liverpool player or two um, and probably a Spurs or a Chelsea player. A lot of us have got value tied up in Cole Palmer. We touted him as an option to sell last week. But if we're adding Richarlison into the mix as well, then we're probably needing to consider other assets that we might be willing to sell that also blank in game with 26. Poro's highest return this season is eight points. And we all know that there's a haul in there. There, There is a haul coming for him at some point. But that only, that only really can happen if Spurs keep a clean sheet. We really need that to happen for him to have the chance of hitting big, big returns of 10 points or more, getting in the bonus, getting an assist and and registering some real hauls. And it doesn't look like Spurs are anywhere near keeping regular clean sheets at the moment. So as good as he is on the eye and as, as functional as he is to that Spurs side, he's obviously a fantastic player. He's having a great season. But FPL-wise, his appeal is limited by the fact that Spurs just simply aren't keeping many clean sheets. So I think he is a player that, if you're looking at bringing in Richarlison or you're worried about how many blankers you're going to have in game week 26, he's probably a notch ahead of Palmer or Richarlison on the chopping block to get rid of to ensure that you do have 11 playing um, in game week 26 or at least nine or 10. Yeah, there's certainly quite a few things that you need to consider. <laughs> That's yeah. just the nature of this time of year. And you know, you're bringing in players and they've all got a year but about them yeah i think um, it would be obviously lovely um and you know I'm, I'm sure there's i'm sure there's not really kind of this going on but say arsenal have got games all the way through i think they're going to be that one team that don't double all season i'm pretty sure that's pretty much on now um mm. so if they don't own Saka or something like that then you know sure just make that investment now yeah. but a lot of the time there is always going to be a yeah but about a player and Wednesday is going to be probably the best way of assessing how well you kind of can make that decision about the long-term investment you're going to make. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you could be kind of, I'm sure you won't be kind of buying a Watkins or a Saka, but you can kind of make decisions around the players you're going to be getting. Um, but it's always going to be, it's always going to come at a cost, I think, at the moment. There's going to be, no, there's no player who's, outside the ones that pretty much everyone owns or a player like Jota potentially, who probably most people are going to be getting their hands on. Um, I, I'm not too sure there are any other players that are kind of sticking out like a sore thumb as being like, why haven't you bought me yet, effectively, um, which is a, always an interesting place to be. And there's always is kind of around that, around chip season, isn't it, really? And um, there's a couple of questions that we've got here, Sam, about... Um, other players, I guess, um, around kind of different kind of price points. So um, NZFPL um, asking the best under five million defenders. Um, I think that probably at the moment, if we kind of have the kind of the year, but um, I think that's probably Doughty really, isn't yeah. it? Um, because I mean, he's got the twenty-five double. It's okay. It's not. It's not the most amazing <clears throat> double in the world. Let, let's face it. But you know, Luton are doing loads of goals. Doughty is a 
a key part of that. Um, so it's not going to be something that you're going to be particularly kind of worried about. A doubler is a doubler at the end of the day. That sounds an awful thing to say, but it kind of is. Um, and uh, the, the defence in general was no great shakes, basically. Um, so that might be it. I would have said maybe look at Canate, but he's got himself sent off mm. um, the two yellows. Um, I you know there's, there's Guardiol who took a, a, an F load of shots tonight. It's got yeah. dead. Um, playing, as I said last week, and it's true again. From I don't know if it changed in the second half, but in the first half, we were, it, it's hilarious. Like how he seems to be like kind of this reluctant left back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in my head, this is probably football manager led, that he is a kind of a solid centre back, and here he is reimagined for some reason as a kind of a wing back defend. But there he is, you know. Taking the shots like nobody's business. It took three years tonight, and you know, dribbling like nothing, and making getting into passes, good positions. You know, that's reassuring. Um, but so another one, four point eight, could be worth it. Um, you know, there's been a historical sort of precedent um, in getting a Man City defend the central defender in for a double game week. <laughs> so uh, for Stones of old or a Laporte of old, no Stones is still there. Uh, Reed, maybe Nathan Ake at five million could be one that you maybe consider. But you know, I, I don't really know where else you go right now with everything that's going on. You probably want Trippier if mm-hmm. you just want to make that sort of long-term kind of investment-ish because... Newcastle got really good fixtures until kind of game week 32 outside of Arsenal and game week 26, uh, maybe Bank 29, but you know, that them's the breaks really. Um, and uh, uh, but yeah, there you go. Um, and in, in midfield, Sam and um, Dave Caesar at FPL asks for the best sub 6.5 million mid, uh, with Gordon out. Um, who are we looking at if not Richarlison? Uh, that might be kind of pause for thought, but it feels like you know, Garnacho seems to be kind of a long, the kind of a short term sort of man, really, doesn't he? Yeah, I like Garnacho. I brought him in, as, as a few of you will be aware, a couple of game weeks ago, mainly as as an enabler, but um, becoming the eighth attacker this week, finally, was always going to be the plan to get Haaland in and put Garnacho down to eighth attacker. Um, so that has given me the depth I need and the spare budget to get back to other um, elite players elsewhere in my starting eleven. So I like him as an upside option. I'm um, just quickly skimming back over the, the sub 5 million defenders. I'd just a shout out to Alex Moreno. Um, I think he could be a pretty decent oh, upside yeah, good shout, option. Shout. Um, if he gets the M29, I think that could be the, the one. Uh, Dean's coming back soon. Apparently. Exactly. I think he's Emery's man. He comedy. is Emery's man. Yeah. I think, I think that's the general feeling, but yeah, but I'm fully aware that I'd probably need to talk to some um, Villa experts on that before locking that one in as, as a recommendation, but I do like the look of him at the moment. Um, but yeah, back, back to the midfielders. I think Garnacho is probably the one that steals the headlines at the moment. You could always look at a certain someone who's doubling in game week 25 in Ross Barkley, which could be very, very interesting. Um, obviously, obviously played really well last couple of games, um, kind of making a late, late call for the England squad um, this summer. I say tongue in cheek. Um, but yeah, he's looked pretty decent, very cheap and will have a double. So again, put, putting yourself in a position to get lucky there a little bit if you can survive game week 26, um, well, when obviously he'll be blanking. But yeah, so, sub 6.5, Cole Palmer's always going to be an option, but I probably wouldn't jump on him now if you don't have him already, considering it's Man City in 25, then blank in 26. We don't know if he's playing in 29, probably one you could avoid for the time being. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's always difficult with, with a player like Palmer. Um, but we've spoken about him a few times as being that individual who, if he was repriced now, would be kind of around the seven-ish. Um, and he's always going to be the talisman, as far as we know, at the moment, for Chelsea. Um, so we need to see how that sort of works, I think. Yeah. Um, and if they do have the game in 29, I think that, and which is kind of the um, the bookie's favourite, as far as I know at the moment, then I don't know. I, I think he kind of be- becomes a bit of a hold, really, um, rather than a bit of a sell, um, which is a bit of a shame, but that's kind of the way it is, I suppose. But because of that, I guess, feeling that a lot of us are going to have, that, you know, I've, I've had this player for a long time. He's he's made scored me loads of points, um, despite Chelsea kind of flailing around. Their XG is remains great. Mm. By the way, it's worth mentioning that they they literally I don't know whether it's the case they've been unlucky. Um I haven't I, I must admit I haven't watched that many Chelsea games this year just because of life. Mm. And but they're four for XG overall and but just continuously not quite brought home the bacon effectively. I think it's it's, it's the biggest um, XG on performance, I think, for any team um this year um versus their underlying. Maybe Mantissi actually are above that now. Um but yeah, it's, it's mental. It really is. And mm. how unlucky they're getting. Um, and uh, at that price, it may be that you just end up keeping him. But there's always an opportunity there to sell a player like that that everyone else owns and kind of you know, uh, bring home the bacon. Um, I don't know why I keep talking about bacon, Sam. Maybe maybe I just... Really yeah, you've, you need a Sarni tomorrow morning. Oh, That's what I you need. Think so. I think so. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> and the final question uh, surrounding, um, before we move on to a slight bit of any, any other business, is uh, mm. doubles and blanks in the scope for goalkeeper transfers? So de- desperately seeking Duzan asks, is Kaminsky or also the Fleckinator um, <laughs> of interest uh, to anybody um, for this double game week um, coming up? I think that maybe was predicated on Ariola. Um, the news not on him not being particularly certain, but Moyes has said that he was just yeah he should be okay precaution. Um, I don't know. I think if if you're a goalkeeper transfer ahead of a double game week, it's always going to be inextricably linked to bench boosting. Um, if you're not bench boosting, I would leave a goalkeeper transfer well alone. I think. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I think I don't think it's a priority. I think if you found yourself on only two Liverpool and you're not utterly convinced on say a Darwin or maybe you don't have Trent and you you don't really want to break apart your team to get there then maybe a short-term punt on Allison, and then you might have a playing keeper in game week 26 so you can just hide him on the bench until you wild card um, that might not be a bad shout but I don't think many managers are going to be able to get to him because a lot of us already have our plans in place for which two or three Liverpool we're getting to anyway. So I don't, I don't mind him, but outside of that, Flecken, barring the four, first 44 minutes of the game today where he looked like prime Buffon, um, hasn't been very good all season. I think he's tw- 20th out of 20 for regular starting keepers in terms of XG prevented. Um, so yeah, not not really feeling that one personally, especially with the, the fixtures that they've got to go up against. Kaminsky, Obviously, we'll probably make a lot of saves, but I'm not expecting clean sheets in either of those matches either. So, yeah, I, pr- I probably wouldn't be prioritising a keeper transfer barring a bench boost um, at this point. The only pro I'd have in Flecken's column 
He's got an assist tonight. Therefore, he's going to assist. Yeah, he did. Yeah. No, the only power I'd have in Beckham's column is to keep an eye on him if you're going to wild cards around game, kind of game week 33. They have the best run in, I think, of any team between game week 33 and 37. It's really, really flipping good. Um, so he probably will be the main um, goalkeeper for a lot of people around that time, depending, obviously, on, on doubles and such and whatnot. Um, but it might be something to keep an eye on uh, around then. In fact, probably, uh, maybe he won't be because... Um, they don't have any more doubles, do they? And they play all the way through. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, it, 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 that's just a, a bit of a sidebar, uh, really. Maybe you have Fleck in Nariola or something like that. They got Bournemouth in thirty-seven. Um, but yeah, just 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 something to keep an eye on, especially if this has given him um, <laughs> enough interest. to got a great run of form. Uh, final question: Mitchell Sterling in any other, any other business? Uh, given the complete lack of clean sheets, should we look for a cheap, cheap and cheerful 8.5 million goalkeeper pairing and two cheap defenders when we're wildcard planning in future? This is always going to be the ideal, I think. Um, yeah. And we're wildcard planning. Um, it'd be really good if you know, we've got Br- Bramthwaite at 4.1 um, coming out as being a, a really good sort of, you know, one of those cheap defenders. The other mm-hmm. one, I don't really know where that would be at the moment. Um, nothing springing to mind for me. Help me, Sam. I, I don't, nothing. Well, really the, the problem is mind. Taylor's just disappeared off the face of the yeah. earth. Otherwise, he'd be yeah. an okay one to just hide fifth on your bench. Oh, well, fourth, mm. fourth or third on your bench, fifth yeah. defender. OPS double but... 37. And then you know, the, the, I guess maybe. Ariola is a 4.2. I was surprised it was still 4.2 with the number of owners he's got. Um, yeah. 4.2. It's because he was well-owned at the start of the season anyway. That must, that must be it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so likely 37 double. A nice 37 double as well. And so Luton at home plus um, potential Aston Villa at home, if that's when nine goes. Nice, um, yeah. So that that kind of yeah maybe Mitchell maybe uh, I think that that's definitely going to be the way that it will go. The thing in is, in an ideal world, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the only thing would probably be the Trippier factor. Um, I think you know, as I said earlier on, Newcastle got a great run of games until thirty-two. I think that he's going to be one of those players who you're going to look at and think, oh, screw it, like, I need to probably kind of cover that. And think, thinking of that, you know, Dubravka is 4.2 as well, potentially, if you wanted to go there. It sounds like Pope may well be just gone for the season um, with that dodgy shoulder of his. So, I think you know, they're targeting April as it stands. Okay. I mean, th- that's kind of the end of Fulham's good run, uh, of Newcastle's good run anyway. They got Fulham for that yeah. game. So, yeah, could be the way you go if you wanted to kind of not not spend anything in defence. Uh, yeah, there we go. Right, okay. Uh, finally, to end our teams. Yes, absolutely. So oh. I think, yeah, you're first up. Interesting bus captain there. I like it. Yeah, so I mean, it depends how much I really want to punt this out. Um, mm. Do I want to punt this out? Do I want to agree with Gandhi that the early game is going to be a pile of the proverbial poo <laughs> and go for Liverpool. Like, as you said, Sam, there's lots of pros in Liverpool column and the Burnley game on paper is better than the Everton game. 
am I going to be able to hold my nerve on this in Captain Jota, which is where the uh, the bus team stay, captain stay off of Twitter if you're going to because you'll That's you will, what I will get need to do. Yes, I need to I need to stay off Twitter. I need to try to wake up late on Friday. That's uh-huh. on Saturday. That's not going to happen. I'm going to be up at. 6 a.m. again because I've that's my day for waking up the baby. So I'm gonna have plenty of time to think about it. I've got my rule that I don't make changes on a deadline day. So potentially if I do wake up with Jota as my captain, if I wake up with Jota, then God, something's really changed in my life. I've made loads of different life decisions. Um, and so has he. Um well, oh, it's revolutionary for Jota. <laughs> but um I wake up just as my captain. I think I'm, I'll try my hardest to leave it there. Would I leave it there in reality? I do not know. I really don't know. Um, but at the moment, I, I kind of feel that. Um, but it's easy to feel something now versus feeling something on Friday and Saturday. Um, yeah. I really like what you were saying earlier. On, and that's something that, like, it was like spoilers. This is exactly how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to kind of weigh in and do exactly that. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where my captain is right now, is on Jota versus Burnley. Because I feel like that's where the explosiveness is going to happen this week. I can imagine the Sissy game, again, obviously, choose your own adventure. I can imagine the Sissy game being not like, tight i think the city will keep it on control um i think there'll be you know, probably you know, a couple of goals for city um and holland's inevitably going to be involved in one of them <laughs> um but i think that the burnley game is going to be where there are more goals scored i think mean, if yeah, i'm doing my score prediction i think it'll be 4-1 liverpool and 2-1 city 2-0 uh, no, no, they're going to concede a uh, 2-1 city maybe 3-1 city um so it'd be a case of kind of where am i going to what what pie do I want to place my captaincy in? Obviously, the vice would be on would be on Holland if I don't, if I go with Jota. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what that would be. Um, likely to do Taylor to Doughty. Uh, Sheffield United game at home is obviously very uh, enticing. Don't really have any interest in bringing in Morris or anything like that with Watkins, Holland, and Darwin as the front three. Don't really have any interest uh, in Barkley. Um, I think Gordon just see what happens miraculous recovery may occur but if not i'm really happy to have on the bench because the front front eight is great um but bringing in uh bringing in doughty for taylor makes a lot of sense probably play him over burn make a decision between sleeper and white if i've got jitters about tommy assey coming in for white i was play sleeper which is likely i, I might just do that anyway to be honest um, and just go go with go with that and then you know i think the the bench boost 25 plan i think i'm just gonna i've moved away from it a little bit okay. just because of the reality of where my team is at the moment it's interesting isn't it because i was really up for it i floated it but it seems like you somehow are in the best position to do that than i am well let's have a look shall we um yeah so at the moment my my 15 is looking pretty strong. I do, The two exceptions are Turner and Taylor, obviously, but I'm not a million miles away from a bench boost 25 if I wanted to get there. I think the thing that would potentially put me off at this point is that there are quite a few options, especially in midfield, that would require me to move money up rather than down. So uh, then upgrading Turner and Taylor could be problematic for me. I've got 2.4 in the bank at the moment, and I'm seriously thinking about uh, selling Gordon for Jota because I've got, I think, 0.3 spare on that. Um, So I am considering doing that. Um, I was also considering going into this game week doing Saka to Jota, 
But something in the back of my mind is telling me not to get rid of Saka at the moment. It's three goals in four games. Oh, I think you can't, can you? I mean, you, I, you I think one of the things I was going to say is, it, is a lot of it hinges on Wednesday's outcome. Well, <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. That was going to be the, my next point, actually. Exactly. So if Arsenal, Chelsea will go ahead in game with 29, then selling Saka is going to look really problematic. Um, so that would rule that out. Um Obviously, then it means that Watkins becomes maybe an easier sell because he wouldn't be playing in 29 if Arsenal and Chelsea are. So maybe I could switch my strategy depending on on which which one of those two teams progresses. But either way, Gordon to either Richarlison or Jota could be on the cards. Um, it has crossed my mind that I could also do Palmer across to Richarlison in, uh, in one move as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of angles I could take here. Um, and it, like you say, it does depend on how that Wednesday game goes because it opens up or closes off certain routes for me. Um, but, yeah, it, if Arsenal and Chelsea is going to get postponed or potentially get postponed in game week 29, then I can pivot a bit, sell, sell Saka potentially um, and use that money to get to both Richarlison and Jota. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I think the most likely move is one free transfer, bring in Jota for Gordon and uh, hope that Gordon is injured for a little bit. For what it's worth, I think he'll probably be back pretty quickly. But um, I, I still think Jota's upside is comfortably good enough to make that move worthwhile. Interesting. I think it's worth it. I do think it's worth it. Any consideration to not going with Holland as captain? Uh, yeah, there is consideration. Every Everything I was saying earlier are things that I will be taking into account. I think given that Haaland played good minutes today, I'm I'm pretty convinced he gets 80 plus again against Everton. So it makes it harder for me to go against him. And I, th and I personally think, and I shouldn't really be thinking this way considering my rank at the moment, but I think just having Darwin and having Jota will be okay. I think because I've also got Trent, yeah, that yeah, as a combination that, yeah. is pretty strong. Um, in terms of Liverpool coverage. So I don't think I necessarily need to pile a captaincy on top of that yeah, to make sure. that game enjoyable for me. So that might be, and it's not logical to think that way I should be picking the player that scores the most points. But I think marginally, I, I reckon Haaland does score the most points. I think they're likely to score three-ish against Everton. I think uh, Liverpool score four or five, but those goals will be more spread around more likely than in the City game where That's if they score pain, three... Yeah. Most of the time, Haaland's involved in one or two of the, those. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I could see it going either way. But as it stands, Haaland is is the one that I'm probably likely to stay with. Yeah, Tasman Theory at large. Cool. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. There we go. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone who joined in after the City game finished as well. We've got 29 in the chat. So uh, hopefully you all enjoyed uh, points with Foden and Haaland in particular. I think KDB got the assist as well. So yeah, fingers crossed you had an enjoyable evening before you joined us. And if you missed the first half, please do feel free to go back and um, watch us celebrate the Foden hat-trick in live time. Um, in the meantime, though, thank you all so much for listening. We were who got the assist. You can find us on X as always at WGTA underscore FPL or myself at FPL Pricey. 
and on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL. And again, I'm FPL Pricey on there and on TikTok as well. I've started doing some videos on TikTok, which is very sad, but I'm quite enjoying it at the moment. So do go and check that out as well if you get the chance. If you did enjoy the pod, if you could please go and follow us on all of those channels, that'd be greatly appreciated. But also if you could leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening to the pod, that would also be really helpful. And if you're one of those watching along on YouTube at any point, whether it's live or not, if you could leave us a like and subscribe to the channel, that would also be incredibly helpful to help us grow and get the word out. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And I'll hand back to Tom. Yeah, perfect. And normally we'll be online uh, recording live about half time um, of the game yeah. on Monday night, or if there's no game Monday night, kind of around kind of 8, 8, 15, something like that. Cool. Thanks, Sam. I hope you enjoyed the pods and the slight new format, but I think it went well. I feel a bit better about it all now, especially <laughs> with the points that we've actually scored tonight and somehow managed to get away with green arrows, which is always very nice. Uh, we hope this you think about control in FPL and the week ahead. Back next Monday to hopefully relish another nice green arrow for that week. Have a good one. We'll speak to you very, very soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.